welcome to the second series of Future Thinking with me, Chris Slowly, the editor of CityWire Selector. We're picking up largely where we left off with the previous series, where we're looking at many of the trends, themes and topics that are likely to shape asset management, but also some of the wider world going forward. Today, I'm joined by Jack Inglis, the CEO of the Alternative Investment Management Association, who's at the forefront of how the alternative world is changing when it comes to investment. So, Jack, thank you very much for joining us. Um, good to be here, Chris. <laughs> thank you. And with that, I was going to kick off with just a sort of opening, an overview, uh, as people may not be hugely familiar with AMA. I mean, many people are. We cover them a lot on CityWire Selector. But for those who aren't, could you just give a very quick overview of what it is you cover and who you advocate advocate on behalf of? Um, certainly, Chris. So AMA is a 30-year-old-plus um, organization uh, that exists to really support and represent the interests specifically of the hedge fund industry and hedge fund managers uh, in particular. Uh, we've got over uh, 2,000 members, um, and they're spread all around the globe. And uh, between them, they've got we have the um, very largest uh, hedge fund managers in the world, down to some very small ones, uh, and everyone else in between. And, and the main thrust of what we do is um, advocacy. I think you pointed that out. And by that, I mean acting on our members' behalf uh, around all issues to do with policy and regulation that impact the industry. But we also um, uh, do a lot of education, educational events and papers um, for our members to think about how they can better operate their businesses. Um, so communication is a very key part. And around all this, we run um, a, a very large series of events uh, around the world, but obviously virtual currently, um, where members can network and hear from experts and hear from each other about better ways for this industry to evolve and, and, um, and how to run their businesses. That leads me into just talking about a piece that we covered towards the end of last year, is where you talked about the seven themes that are likely to steer the industry in 2021. One thing that jumped out for me, I mean, we are CityWire, we cover fund managers. We are a fund manager focused database, but we are seeing the sort of move away from this star culture thinking. So I was going to kick off with that, if that's OK, by looking at is that the same for the hedge fund world? Do you think the hedge funds and wider investing are finally moving away from these focus on personalities and more towards teams or or tailor led solutions? Very good question um, there, Chris, and 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 just about the um, tailor-led led solutions to start with. If I can just um, begin uh, with that, I, I think one of the real developments that have ha that has happened within the hedge fund world over the past ten plus years is a much closer awareness of the need to be aligned to uh, the real interests of your clients, i.e. In the investors um, uh, that, uh, that are your clients. And, and so what I mean by that is that successful uh, investment managers and within that hedge funds really need to be aware of what their clients, what the, what the investors, and these are mainly institutional investors, what they're trying to solve for uh, at their end. And if you can demonstrate that, to an investor, then you really are well on the way to creating a very good symbiotic partnership uh, with your clients and that you can think what they are trying to achieve within their portfolios uh, and for the beneficiaries um, of their portfolios to produce something that can be perhaps uh, somewhat more tailor-made to suit, the, um, suit what is being sought after rather than just where the hedge fund um, industry began all these years ago, which was single fund 
um, product-led, that's all you can have, that or nothing. So hedge fund managers are really thinking about this a lot and setting up their, their client-facing client teams in such a way that they can understand what their investors want and therefore deliver optimum tailored solutions if that's required. It's, um, there's still plenty room for plain commingled funds. But some larger investors are really seeking out uh, a more bespoke um, solution to the problems they're trying to solve for. So that's been very much development. And I see that continuing even now and will continue in the future. Then you ask the question about star managers. And I think, yes, it's true that in the early days of the hedge fund industry, hedge funds were very much um, recognized for the sole individuals or groups of individuals at certain manager firms who drove the whole investment process. Um, and I think, again, we've had a, um, a, a shift away from that, but it's not um, true right across the spectrum. So if you take the very largest managers that exist out there, the multi-billion dollar managers, it would be unreasonable to think that a sole individual, a star manager, if you like, can really take all the investment decisions on behalf of that fund uh, and uh, and within the portfolios. So what we've seen there amongst the very largest ones are investment processes which include multiple, multiple people, and you see that particularly in the multi-strategy funds, who are all contributing to the performance of the fund um, and the portfolios. At the opposite end of the spectrum, you do still will have specialists. Um, you might find those in, in uh, equity long-short funds, uh, in particular, where uh, an individual will be supported by um, a strong team of research analysts, in how they go about making their decisions within the funds. And you could argue there that um, there's a heavy reliance on that one individual um, who might be called a star manager, particularly if he's performing well. So I, I don't think we should get too hung up on the fact of this sort of star manager concept, because in the end of the day, what are, what are all funds trying to deliver? And that is human skill. Um, and um, we can talk about how they boost that with technology, but human skill uh, delivering alpha is a very core component of the hedge fund um, value proposition. Larger firms may have more of them, smaller firms may have uh, just one, but nevertheless, um, uh, really skilled people are always in high demand. And if you want to call that a star manager, then uh, then so be it. I think the other the other thing I would just just point out, just from a business point of view, if you have a um, a whole business reliant on just one person, then investors may look at it and think you've got a lot of key man risk there or key yeah. person risk. And one needs to ask the question: you know, is diversifying the talent in your organisation perhaps a better way for longevity of a business? I've had a few sort of more philosophical debates about shorting an ESG and, and, and the merits of it. Some people argue that you should be positively engaging with companies because if you're shorting a company that's struggling, it will never have the opportunity to mend its ways. And then some people say on the other side, well, there's some areas, sectors, companies that are by their design never going to be able to engage. So it makes sense to uh, capitalize on that and generate alpha by shorting them in that circumstance. So can I ask about that? Do you, is there an ethical argument around shorting in ESG? Uh, I think there's a good, strong argument for 
short selling in any situation, including in ESG. And, and just casting our minds back to last year when the markets were in, in, in full turmoil, uh, back in March, when certain countries in Europe uh, imposed bans on short selling, you know, we thought that was uh, very unfortunate and, and called very much for an end to those. But I think what was probably more important uh, was looking at those large developed markets like the US, the UK, Germany, Japan, that did not impose short selling bans at the height of the market turmoil last year. And so what I think is we've seen, and particularly since the global financial crisis, is a much greater understanding from the regulators of the part and the positive part that short selling uh, can play in, uh, in, in markets. Um, so I take that as an extremely um, strong positive, and there's just a huge wealth of, of, of academic research, which points to um, the benefits uh, of short selling in liquidity, in price discovery, uh, and in many, many other ways. Now, turning that to ESG, the way, the way that I think about it is that companies that do not embrace this new trend in the way that they operate are going to find themselves uh, in the shadows of investment thoughts, and their cost of capital is going to go up. So therefore, companies should therefore be extremely incentivized to be at the vanguard of this uh, ESG uh, climate change sustainable trend uh, that this world so desperately needs at the moment. And if, if, if they're not, they're going to be left behind and they're going to find their cost of capital actually goes up, whether they're trying to issue new equity or, or trying to raise debt. I think where hedge funds can come in very helpful, and you alluded to it there, and taking a very constructive approach to, um, uh, to companies. Uh, and shorting is one such tool that can encourage companies, if they think that a hedge fund or group of hedge funds are shorting them because they do not have the right ESG credentials, that can be a very good wake-up call to a company to respond. Uh, and so I think that part that hedge fund plays can be very, very important. Um, but let's let, let's just agree that hedge funds, when they do short something, they're not trying to drive a company out of business. Um, hedge funds are what it says. They, they hedge. So quite often, a short position can be balanced by a long position in a company that they think might do better. And we're really, by shorting a company, they're just taking a... Um, an opposing position that the relative value of the company they're long may go up more than the the the, um, uh, the value of the one that they are short of. So the intention is not at all malicious in shorting, but I think having a constructive approach and pointing out to companies that they need to make change uh, if they're going to drive true value to their shareholders, and that change needs to be um, towards a more ESG-friendly production, then I think that is very, very positive. So hedge funds can go short, and I think that's an added tool which traditional investment managers do not have, who typically will just screen out those companies that they think um, uh, don't fit the right criteria. Well, hedge funds can be more active than that, and I think that's beneficial for the market, and I think ultimately it's beneficial for the corporate world. Oh, I think that's a very compelling argument in that. I think if it can be used in that constructive format, I think that could be really beneficial because you're right. If a company uses that as a as a wake up call rather than a death knell, then there's a good opportunity they can evolve and change. So I think there's there is potential in there. 
I'm just looking at more broadly, Jack, I mean, we are talking on a future thinking theme and looking ahead. And I noticed that you were on a podcast before Christmas where you talked about the next decade potentially being a golden age for hedge funds. Can you expand on why you think this decade will be particularly golden? Well, I think sometimes you've got to use statements to get people to, 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 to sit up and take notice. And I think yeah, it's well, very it worked true. for me. It, it fell into my notes well, what, straight away. <laughs> what I think is very true. I mean, um, you know, hedge funds... Uh, in the after, or during the financial crisis and uh, in 2009, as, as, as markets recovered rapidly, performed extremely well. And there were some great, um, great returns being made to investors at that time. But I think it is fair to say that um, really for most of the last decade, there were criticisms being pointed at the hedge fund industry in general about the performance that it was delivering to their clients. And unfortunately, a lot of that was just comparing it, hedge funds with the um, uh, performance of the uh, the major stock market indices, such as the, um, uh, the S&P, which is, you know, I could argue for a long time that that's completely the wrong and the most unfair comparison to make. But nevertheless, that's what some commentators do. But I think it, it, it's clear that hedge funds did struggle to produce uh, really solid performances right across the board uh, these past 10 years. And I think there were some, 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 some good reasons for that. Uh, there was very minimal correlation um, between stocks within stock markets. Um, the quantitative easing that was going on worldwide uh, was really pushing all ships up with the same tide. What I think we see now, and, and these are just not my thoughts, and I was reading a, um, a piece published by JP Morgan Asset Management um, uh, just very recently as well, which describe um, the, current, uh, the current situation as being a really rich environment for growth within hedge funds. So um, drilling down from that a little bit, what do, I, um, uh, what do I mean and what can I pick out that I think um, goes into um, uh, hedge funds' favor here? Uh, I think um, one of those is uh, the heightened volatility um, that the market is now experiencing. Uh, in the mid um, uh, sort of 2010s, um, you saw uh, volatility as measured by the VIX index trading at incredibly um, uh, historical lows and, and remaining there for a very long period of time. What we've seen um, starting last March was a um, obviously a massive spike in volatility, but where it's settling now is at much higher levels even than it was um, before then. So. Um, I think, uh, and we polled our, our managers, and they really do expect, um, in the medium term at least, a situation of elevated volatility. So I think that is important. I think, secondly, uh, I think in the marketplace, I think it's it's widely accepted now that you're going to have a um, much more dispersion in uh, the performance of individual stocks uh, in individual markets, uh, and indeed between markets. So uh, correlation, um, indeed, between stocks is coming down and is expected to remain low. And for stock pickers who are looking for both longs and shorts, for example, uh, I think that um, uh, represents much better opportunity uh, than for most of the past 10 years. And that plays very well into what hedge funds do. Um, and then, you know, there are all these mega trends that are going on. Uh, sustainability, we've, we've obviously talked about the rise of emerging market consumers, uh, technology, um, a huge feature, we're all aware of that, 
uh, healthcare. There's so much going on out there that I think very skilled managers have a lot more things to choose from now to try and seek out that alpha um, for which they um, they ought to be recognized. And so I, I think that is very key. I think the other component part is that, I mean, let's look where interest rates are. You get no yield in the government bond markets at the moment. In the corporate bond markets, um, spreads are very low. Uh, many people would argue um, that there is huge uncertainty about the future direction of stock markets, particularly as valuations look very, very stretched. Um, so if you're an investor and you think about this and you go, well, I get no return uh, in, in fixed income, uh, traditional fixed income, there looks to be an awful lot of risk um, residing in the equity market, then I think it is an absolutely inescapable uh, conclusion that you have to look elsewhere where you might find the best set of risk-adjusted returns for your investments over the next um, five, 10 years. And you know, one thing I think worth pointing out, if you look at the volatility profiles of hedge funds, and by that I mean the volatility of their, uh, their monthly returns, they're actually much closer to those experienced in the fixed income markets than in the equity markets. But you can get much, much um, uh, higher quality returns for that low, lower volatility um, by investing in hedge funds than you can either in, uh, investing in fixed income or the equity markets. And I think as investors are looking ahead um, and forward thinking about what the next decade might look like, uh, I think it becomes very, very compelling for them uh, to seek out alternatives and within alternatives in the public market, certainly hedge funds to be a very essential part of their portfolio. So for all those reasons is, is really why I think um, we are moving into a new paradigm here that is different from the past 10 years. Uh, and I think skilled managers within the hedge fund community are extremely well poised to take advantage of it. That was a very comprehensive and very thoughtful answer and it covered all of my follow-up questions as well so jack it just leaves me to say thank you very much for joining me today it's been a pleasure speaking to you and i hope to catch up with you soon to see how some of these themes have progressed chris that's great love chatting to you thank you thank you very much jack have a good day take care